We're going to move in some prophecy tonight, but I want to I kind of give you some perspective. I want to encourage us. The Lord's been really encouraging me in some things over the last couple nights. Romans chapter 12, and let's look together at verse, let me see, let's look at verse 3, Romans 12 verse 3, are you there? Okay, this is what it says, I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. I'm going to switch over to the NIV. I like the way it reads in this particular verse here. By the grace that is given, I say, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. Oh, my goodness. God's going to help us in this. We're going to talk about perspective tonight. Everybody say perspective. It's going to be good. I think this is going to help us. Lord, we ask you to speak to us through your word tonight. Bring strength and encouragement. And, Lord, even activate the gifts on the inside of us. We want to be a people that prophesy, that are sensitive when your spirit speaks, and are able to minister in every realm that you open doors for us. So we thank you for it, mighty God. Bless this time as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you be seated? Perspective is... Perspective is a really big deal. Um, we're, I'm going to show you exactly where I see this in Romans chapter 12, but one of the things that I find to be very interesting, even as we were singing tonight, I don't know why this was kind of brought to my attention, but I was thinking about, um, uh, I was reading the story of, of Joseph, and when Joseph was persecuted really by his brothers for a dream that he had. He was uh, ultimately sold into slavery. You guys know the whole story. Uh, experienced very much difficulty, was imprisoned, was falsely accused. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I think about, I don't know why this thought just kind of struck me, but here is a famine that strikes the land, right? People, I mean, seven years, there were seven years of plenty, and then there were seven years of famine that comes upon uh, upon the whole nation surrounding Egypt. And I thought for Jacob and for his family who was going through the midst of that, that must have been a really terrible time. Like, duh, right? But here's the reason that it, it kind of jumped out to me. Is I was reading in the New Testament then, all of these moments where Paul made reference to that time, where, uh, where Philip was preaching and made reference to that time, and all the, I mean, how many, how many of you have heard sermons about Joseph and about, about Pharaoh and Egypt and, you know, that whole time frame? How many of you have heard messages of like 40 years in the wilderness? We've all heard sermons. We've all heard examples about this. And what I think is just like, these guys in that moment probably we could have sank into a pity party. God, why would you allow us to go through famine? I thought that you loved us. God, how could you allow me to go into prison? But think about the encouragement that it brings even to this day. 
For each and every one of us, it, there's, a, there's a perspective that we lack. You know, you look at people like Job and his story. Job didn't realize that there were things going on in the heavens that were a whole lot bigger than he as an individual was. We look at Job and say, oh, poor Job. And maybe you've compared your life to Job. Listen, if you've ever compared your life to Job, stop. <laughs> You're not Job. You've never had it as well. In fact, if you're ever feeling sorry for yourself, just go read Job and be encouraged. It could be worse. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so we look, and there's something about perspective that I think is very, very important. You look at the life of Jesus, and one thing that I, I notice is very interesting. Even by the time he was 12, he was left behind, and uh, his parents come back in a panic. They're looking for Jesus, and, and he gives this response, I must be about my father's business. They walk into the temple, and they see him teaching and instructing the rabbis. I mean, and they're astounded at the teaching that Jesus is bringing out. And somebody asked me the question recently, when do you think Jesus realized he was who he was? Do you think Jesus knew from the very beginning that he was the Son of God, that he was God in the flesh? Do you think that he knew that from birth, or did he, like, figure that out somewhere along the way? What do you guys think? I think, I think personally, I mean, I think that we, we know, we know theologically, and this is sure, uh, he never emptied himself of deity. He's always been God. He is God. Uh, that's literally what Emmanuel means, God with us. Jesus was, even from birth, God in the flesh. He never, he never emptied himself of that. However, there was this aspect in the natural, in his natural mind and body. He probably had these moments where, identity was revealed to him for example at his baptism he hears the declaration of his father in heaven saying behold this is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased there was another time where that uh, similar declaration was made when Jesus was on the mount of transfiguration and again this is my beloved son hear him Two times where the audible voice of the Lord was spoken and, and Jesus heard that affirmation. But here's what I, what I know. Jesus was very confident in who he was. There was no question in Jesus' mind about his identity, that he was, uh, that he was the Son of the Father, that he was the Messiah, that he was Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus knew who he was. And that's really important. You want to know why? Because everybody else questioned who he was. Everywhere Jesus went, he had, uh, he had these moments where they were constantly challenging his identity. Are you good, Jesus? Well, who's good? Uh, are you the Messiah or should we wait for another? That question actually came from the guy who was supposed to be the forerunner, the trailblazer for his ministry. Are you the one? Or should we wait for another one? I mean, for some of us, you might actually think, oh, 
Am I the one? You know, you'd have this moment of questioning, but, but Jesus knew exactly who he was. Um, the, no, you're just the carpenter's son. We know who that guy is. That, he's not a miracle worker. He's not the Messiah. He's just the carpenter's son. Denial from nearly everyone. Even his own family at one time tried to interrupt a meeting. And the ones who, I mean, this is what's really mind-blowing. You want to know who uh, really seemed the only ones to outrightly declare who Jesus was? The demon-possessed people. For real. They were about the only, outside of those two declarations from the Father, these were the only ones that, this is the Son of God. What have you to do with us? Jesus? I mean, these were the only ones who were declaring. And so, I mean, that's what, for most of us, that would really mess with our mentality when your own family, your own forerunner, almost everybody who should believe in you questions you. And the devil seems to be the only one saying things that actually make sense to you. That would jack with most of us, right? And so I look at this. So here's, here's what I, I want to really encourage us. There's, there's three ways that we can view ourselves. Three ways that we can view ourselves. These are all important. And I don't think any one of them, now one of them is really right. But all of them I think are actually important to us. So don't think, oh, this first one isn't what we should do. The first way that you can view yourself, first of all, is through the eyes of others. You can view yourself through the eyes of others. You'll tend to see yourself in the way others define you. And that can either be a really good thing or that can be a really bad thing. Um, you know, you've got people that become really proud of themselves. You know, they just think that they're the best thing in the world because they got a lot of participation ribbons growing up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, I think we give away too many of those things. Uh, if you want to know how we're going to do competitions, like when we do slaughter ball camp in our, in our church, you guys know what slaughter ball is? It's like dodgeball with less rules. It's really fun. But here's what I will tell you. There are winners and there are losers. Listen, if you want to be a winner, win. I do not believe, and I don't believe that it's biblical. You remember what the Apostle Paul says, box in such a way that you will win. Run the race in such a way that you will win. There are winners and there are. There really are. There are losers. And I, and I think it's important sometimes for us to hear. We need to get real perspective. Because how many of you have ever watched, uh, I'm sure you've seen the clips, or maybe you watch uh, like... Um, uh, what is it called, American Idol or America's Got Talent. These shows where individuals, they get up and they sing and they should not be singing up on that stage. We've all seen that. We've all seen those failed clips. And, and like, how in the world does that happen? But I found out where it happens. I found out exactly where it happens. I'll never forget one day. I was in a church service. And I see a brother get up on stage and he's got a song special. I don't know if they filtered the song special, if they ran it by anybody before he got up on stage. This is a large, this is a large gathering, I'm telling you. There's thousands of people here. Guy gets up and he sings this song and he he butchers that song. And the song ends, and he ends up, he's sitting about two rows in front of me. And as he's going back to his seat, you know what I hear? Great job, brother. 
Oh, that was so powerful. Oh, that was the greatest thing. And everybody is just telling him how wonderful. It's like, listen, that's not Christian to do that. We just think we're being encouraging. Uh, no, 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 no. Don't encourage people in stuff that's not their gift. Because that's how people end up on AGT and they, don't, they shouldn't be on that show. No, I'm just telling you. There. You know, really, there, there is always feedback that we get. And whether, whether you've grown up in an atmosphere where you can do no wrong and you're the best, sometimes, I mean, sometimes that's good. I'd rather have you confident than insecure. I'll just say that. However, most of what we receive in life is, is more negative than it is positive. Most of the, especially the most of the things that stick with us, you'll notice. I mean, you could come to church and, you know, ladies in your prettiest dress, and you have nine people that tell you, boy, that's a nice dress. You look really nice today. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, that just makes your skin look so, so wonderful. And you have one person to tell you, you know, that really makes you look fat. <laughs> and everybody, all 10 of those people mean what they said. What are you going to remember when you leave that day? What is going to stick with you maybe for the next years? The one negative statement. I'm, this is how we are. It's not just ladies either. I'm telling you, men, we're actually, we're probably worse. I know that we're worse. This is why, please, don't tell me, if I, if I just butcher a sermon, don't tell me, please. That'll stick with me for a while. But we need, we need to, to understand what is it that, that has been spoken over us. Here's what you got to understand. People are going to say things, and I, I believe, now this is a big statement, but I want you to hear what I'm going to say. I believe that almost anything that can be said about you even if it's encouraging and even if it's great, will still probably fall short of the expectancy that God has for your life. God has put on the inside of you certain dreams. He's put things inside of you. And listen, people, people who would speak into your life or say things, they don't know the potential that's inside of you. They don't know the passion that's inside of you. They don't know the gift that is on the inside of you. They don't know the dream. And they certainly don't always know the way that God sees you. So it's very important for us to, to see. How do other people see me and what do I do with that? Okay? So this is important. And, uh, you know, I hope that, for example, even right here in this house, we're going to prophesy and that's twofold because not only will we encourage one another, but we're also going to hopefully get some perspective in what God would actually say about one another. Now, the second way we can see ourselves is through our own eyes. We can see ourselves through our own eyes. And again, this can be very good or this can be very bad. How do you see yourself? I mean, there's moments, I'm telling you, where, where you get down on yourself. I mean, how many of you have ever been just, man, I just don't know. I don't know if I can do this. This is one of the reasons I think everybody ought to play sports. If you've ever had a good coach in your life, and I'm, I'm tired, I can't run any longer. No, I can't take the ball any further. I can't do. But you get a good coach in your life, and what do they do? They inspire you. 
And all of a sudden, you can't see yourself taking that ball into the end zone. You can't see getting back on that track and going any further. You can't see getting on that, that, that whatever it might be. You can't see yourself doing anything more. But a good coach will inspire you, and all of a sudden, you begin to see yourself differently. That's what we, I'll tell you, that's why we ought to surround ourselves with people that are encouraging and will build you up. But we need to also take that and we need to remind ourselves because how do we view ourselves? It's very important. When you look in the mirror, we've been talking on Thursday nights about how we are fearfully and wonderfully made. How you ought to look in the mirror and say, God, you did a good job when you created me. That seems awkward to some of us. But we ought to take, God, you did a good job. I mean, think about even that word, wonderful. Do you look at yourself and you're filled with awe? Wow. I mean, really, that's how you ought to feel about yourself because you are God's creation. How do you feel about yourself? I mean, I just, I feel bad for people, really. I mean, have you ever, have you ever seen people that have de- eating disorders? And they're so beautiful. They're not overweight. And yet, they've got this image that they believe about themselves that there's something wrong with their body. How is that? They've got a distorted view about themselves. And I'll just tell you, this really is, is more spiritual than you might even realize. I hear people talk all the time. We've got a, a background in deliverance. And one whole section in my book dealing with darkness, I deal with strongholds, right? We talk about breaking strongholds like it's, a, you know, some spiritual force out there, like it's a demon out there. But do you know what strongholds actually are? Strongholds are just wrong belief systems. Something transpires, like, you know, maybe something bad happens in your life. And maybe the devil comes along and whispers a lie into your mind. You see, God is not good because this happened in your life. And if you believe that lie, all of a sudden it forms this this veil over your mind where everything that is said and done is filtered through this Really what you call a stronghold. It's a wrong belief system. So people can sing about, I will sing of the goodness of God. But you have this stronghold that says, except for this situation. You hear what I'm saying? You hear somebody give a testimony and maybe it's something that's close to your heart. And well, yeah, God is good except he's not good to me. And so we get these ideas sometimes that form strongholds, wrong belief systems, wrong ideas, and everything is filtered through that. Do you know, this is very important, do you know what breaks strongholds in our life? Not an anointed prayer from a man or woman of God. There's only one thing that breaks strongholds in our life. Truth. Truth is what breaks strongholds. You begin to grab hold of what the word of God says about about a situation, about what you believe, what you believe about God, what you believe about people, what you believe about yourself. This is why I'm telling you prophecy is so important. Because I believe there's moments where God can speak through an individual and speak into your life something that I didn't know that about myself. 
I didn't know that I was a leader, but when that prophet said that over my life, I felt it. And it wasn't just a, a, an encouraging thing, but I felt it to the very core of my being. That is who God created me to be. Now listen, I, I love the fact that we are creating a prophetic culture in this church. I want, I, I want, I mean, you guys will not be strangers to prophecy if you hang around this house. But there are moments, I think about King David. David was depressed. And I love, there's a psalm where he says, why are you downcast, my soul? Hope in God. You know what that is? He was prophesying to himself. Why do you feel this way? You're not supposed to be downcast. He's talking to himself. Hope in God. I feel like David probably had a lot of prayer moments in front of his mirror. He was the same one who said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. We ought to do that kind of thing. If you're feeling miserable, if you're feeling woe is me, you got that spirit of Eeyore that's hanging on you, you better look in the mirror and say, hope in God. What are you doing? I'm a child of the Most High God. For real, you need to take Bible verses. You begin to declare that. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. I'm the head. I am not the tail. I'm above. I am not beneath. I am prosperous. I am blessed. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I am free. I'm, I'm a victor. I'm a champion. I'm a, I'm a co-heir with Christ Jesus. I'm, I'm not a sinner. I'm a saint that's been set free by the blood of Jesus. You know, whatever it is. You want to know how I can just spout that stuff off? I've had a lot of strongholds that I've had to declare truth over. And you're not that. You're not that. Not anymore. Not because of Jesus. So we need to evaluate the way that we look at ourselves. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Oh my goodness. Now, here's the last way. And this is really what we're going to move into ministry on. We can see ourselves. Let's review real quickly. What's the first way we can see ourselves? Through the eyes of others. Which, by the way, the devil's included in that. He's an other who will constantly be speaking to you. You need a silence. You know the word Satan literally means accuser? He's constantly going to be spewing accusations against you. And that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen on Judgment Day. You're going to stand there. And he's like the prosecuting attorney. He's going to be telling you, and he's going to be telling God everywhere that you have failed. But then you're going to have Jesus. He's your defense attorney. And he's going to be the one, <laughs> nope, I know him. He belongs to me. Nope, she's mine. The father's going to look. Has his blood, the blood of Jesus, been applied to your life? Uh, in fact, one of the greatest illustrations I love. Some of you guys need to go and listen to it. It'll be a good reminiscing moment. My kids already know. The courtroom of forever, I think it's called by Carmen. Do you guys remember Carmen? Oh, my God. I think it's called The Courtroom. You got to go listen to that. It's real corny. Everything from Carmen is, but uh, there's some good theology in that thing. Uh, is it 90s? Praise God for Carmen. Awesome. All right. Uh, but it's, it presents this whole courtroom scene. And uh, oh, it, is, it really is powerful. It's so fun. Anyway, so we can see ourselves through the eyes of others. We can see ourselves through what? Our own eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, here's the third one. Uh, we can see ourselves through the eyes of God. We see ourselves through the eyes of God. Now, have you guys noticed... 
I get it. I got a kick out of this. This is like a revelation to me. I discovered in this election time. Now I'm gonna be careful. Politics, praise God. But I have noticed that you can tell without reading an article whether somebody likes who they're talking about or whether they're going to be tearing them down just by the picture that they post attached to that article. You ever notice this? I mean, if it's somebody who loves President Trump, he's going to be looking heroic. He's going to have muscles. He's probably going to have flags flying behind him. He's going to have crowds of people around him. They're going to make him look as great as they can. But these people that tear him down, you're going to notice. They're always going to catch him like in the middle of a sentence, right? Saying or doing something, looking weird, his hair blowing out of place, you know, looking tired. And you know whether somebody is for or against him. It's the same thing in the Biden camp, right? You're going to look, and he's either looking confused and lost, and, uh, or he's looking like a hero. Now, you notice I'm, I'm trying to be equal on both sides of these things. All I can say about this is go vote. It's now time. Hallelujah. Keep Jesus in mind. What would Jesus do? Let's bring that bracelet back. And, uh, and that's all you got to know about voting becomes pretty clear when you filter it through scripture. I'll just say that. But my point in all of this is you have to, you, you notice how they will either make, they'll either polish and, and Photoshop and make it look wonderful or, or they'll do what they can to make it look terrible. Did you know, this is a simple illustration, but did you know that in God's eyes, you're like that polished, perfect picture you have you're, you're carrying the image and the likeness of Christ Jesus you literally have have become uh, in fact the Bible says in 2nd Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 5 that you have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus I mean you carry the very nature in the likeness of God Almighty remember my wife sharing a dream and and she saw there was a, a, a girl that we're both friends with we're friends with their family and uh, in this dream, she was like walking in a wedding gown to meet Jesus. I don't know if she was like, this was like her day, Jesus was coming back, or she was meeting Jesus or whatever. And as she was walking out, my wife just describes her just the most beautiful, stunning, just glory of God. Her hair was beautiful, not a blemish on her face, just every feature in detail, just, I mean, even to her was just like, Wow. I mean, it took her a minute to even recognize because you look in the natural, it's not quite like that. My hair might be out of, this is why I'm not telling you who it is, you know. Uh, well, and, and you've got, you look at this and, uh, and not everything is that perfect about her. But here's what I think about this is God sees you in the way that he desires you to be. God sees you as you should be. Not where you are, not in your present circumstance, but God sees you in all that you, in your greatest potential, in your greatest opportunity, in the fullness of your gift. I mean, there's moments, I don't know if you've ever felt this way. You might receive a prophetic word from somebody who's notable. You know they're on target and you're like, man, that sounds way bigger than me. Are you sure you didn't? No, they probably meant that for the next person. To, you ever experienced that? We don't know why. Because God sees you 
in your fullness. He sees you to the maximum of your potential. I mean, we think we derail ourselves when we sin. We think, well, I'm not smart enough for this. Well, we think I'm not qualified. I'm not educated enough. But God sees you operating exactly in what he has called and ordained you to. This is going to be the greatest challenge is not not just filtering through what other people say or even the way we view ourselves, but what does God himself say about me? What does the Lord believe about me? Do you believe in yourself? Hebrews 11 verse 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. I love how the Amplified reads. I'm going to read, uh, this is Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses oh my goodness that means faith is grabbing hold of something i can't see it i can't experience it i have no idea but i am accepting that as reality that what god says is actually greater and more real than my present circumstance that's what faith does do you believe in yourself. It's easy to believe, well, Jesus can do that. It's even easy sometimes to believe about somebody else. Oh, yeah, I, I know they could be great. But do you believe in yourself? Do you believe what's been declared over you? Do you believe what God has said about you? Oh, well, I don't want to get too full of myself. I want to go back to the very first verse. This is the last thing I'm going to share, and then we're going to minister over one another. Romans 13, watch this. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Can I tell you what that scripture does not say? Pay attention. It does not say, think lowly of yourself. You hear me? This scripture does not say, think lowly of yourselves. No, it says, don't think more highly of yourselves than you ought to. But it says, think sober, with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So there are things that God says about you. Don't be like this guy I was talking about and, well, I'm going to be a great singer when God hasn't said you're a singer. That's being exalted above what he has asked you to. But by the same token, don't, be, don't do this false humility thing. Please, remember, I'm still scarred. I need healing from the time that I went to play pool with my grandpa. Because my grandpa, as we're going, uh, we're going over to the pool table, me and my little brother Matt, we're going over the pool table, and all he can tell, oh, I'm not that good. No, you guys, you guys might beat me. And uh, he's just really just kind of playing his skills down. I remember he let me break, right? So I take that first shot. I break it, did a pretty poor job. And he proceeded to hit every single one of his balls in without even giving me or my brother a second chance. <laughs> and he did that to us for about, 
I don't know, over and over. I mean, it was brutal. It felt like abuse. And I, it still wounds me today. I was like six when that happened. You know what false humility is? It's pride. It really is. No, if you're good, if you're gifted, then, you know, don't be braggadocious. Don't be arrogant about it. But, yeah, I am a good drummer. Praise God. <laughs> you know, I, 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 am a, I am a leader, and I can do this. I, I am a, a skilled musician, and I can play. You know what? I'm great with kids, and I can help you over there. I'm good with money, and I could, I could help you with the, with the accounting. Right? We need to be confident in who God has called and created us to be. It's not arrogance. That's not pride. Now, don't exalt yourself, but don't, don't belittle yourself. No, let's just let's come to grips with this is who God has called me to be. Now, this is what we're going to do. I want, we're going we're gonna to take some time. We're going we're gonna to begin to ask the Lord if God could say anything about this person. And we're going to pick some people. What would he say? But here's what I want. This is what we're going to do. This is an exercise for everybody in this room. We're going to go around. And it shouldn't take much time at all. I don't need an explanation. But what I want is for you to tell everybody in this room one area that you feel like God has gifted you, one thing that you're good at, in just one or two words. I don't need you to explain it, okay? Well, it all started when I was nine years old. The Lord spoke to me at this prophetic. No, 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 no. Give me one or two words. Otherwise, this will take all night. You hear me? Online fan. Well, let's know. You guys can hang out. In the comment sections, you guys do this too, okay? If you've been watching faithfully online, you just you tell us, hey, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm gifted at. This is a, this is a good exercise. This should not feel awkward to us. So. Minister Rylin, I will start with comma, but he's not minister, but uh, comma, tell us one thing that you're good at. You're good at speaking, praise God, I agree. Minister Rylin. Oh, fishing, praise God. Awesome, my lovely bride. Baking, hallelujah. Mariah. At cleaning, praise God. Here, let's let's keep on going. Sports, awesome. Tim, encouraging. I agree. Yeah, minister, you're encouraging. Awesome, Erlinda. Teaching, great. Amy, you're an encourager. Awesome. Basketball, praise God. Basketball. We got a whole family. Okay. Encouraging children. I love it. Working with food. Glory to God. At computer work. Awesome. Staying committed. That's wonderful. That's great. What a quality. Track and basketball. Awesome. At cooking. Nice. Let's keep on the back here. Jonathan. You are a leader. Hallelujah. Working in the sun, you are a very hard worker. That's true. Anything that comes your way, I like that. You go go with the flow. You take it all. Praise God. At cleaning, good. Social speaking, awesome. Nikki. At cooking, love it. 
As sports, awesome. Encouraging, great. At fathering, love it. Good answer. <laughs> That's great. Hey, praise God. <laughs> Does that qualify as the gift of giving? I don't know. That's awesome, though. Great. Working. That's great. Yeah. No, that's a gift. The Bible even talks about it, actually. Yeah. Work and sports. Great. Awesome. Edwin. Scripture study. Love it. Helping people. Awesome. Tabitha. Leading. Praise God. Oh, I, I'm a leader. I'm a leader. I love leading. Tell us what they're saying. Baking, organizing, encouragement, being honest. Great. Cooking. That's awesome. Well, online family, at this time, I'm going to bless you guys and let you go. Listen, if you're watching with, uh, with family or friends, if you're there in a group, take time even right now to bless and encourage one another right there in your home or if you're watching, uh, however it is, take time to minister and bless one another because that's what we're going to do uh, in our service right here, right now. God bless you guys. We'll see you on Sunday.